Welcome to another episode of Candela. I'm Alan Schaller. Today, my co-host Christopher Hooten and I talk to a British documentary photographer who I would hope needs no introduction at all, Martin Parr. We're delighted to welcome Vero as our sponsor for this episode, a subscription-based social network which respects your privacy and doesn't sell your data to advertisers. You can find Candela on Vero, where we'll be sharing film and TV references that are made in the podcast using the app's recommended function. It's also a great place to see the photography and cinematography we share, as Vero's lack of compression means the images stay in high resolution. Our thanks go out to Vero for supporting the podcast and for helping us continue bringing it to you for free. Vero believe the greatest social network is the one that already exists between people, and it's their mission to make it available online without the ads, algorithms, and other stuff that gets in the way. Now, without further ado, we bring you Martin Parr. Welcome to Candela. Alan and I are joined today by Martin Parr. Martin, thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure. We're here uh, at your foundation in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Why, why Bristol? What point did you decide to move down here? Uh, well, uh, I moved to Bristol about 30 years ago. Uh, my wife got a job here as a speech therapist, and I've just never moved. It's a great city to live in. It's near to London, got all the countryside. Yeah, it's kind of known for being slightly artistic and stuff now, isn't it? I think yeah. maybe more so than it used to be. I'd say its reputation has really gathered some pace. Yes. Yeah. Is it nice being away from the London bubble? Uh, I guess I quite like not being part of the London bubble. But uh, I mean, I do go to London from time to time. Yeah. So it's not like I'm entirely exempt from that. Well, what is it? It's just like the kind of the, obviously there's a sense of struggle in London and kind of bustle. Is it there's a little bit just quieter down here or? I guess it's a bit quieter. Uh, I mean, I did have my office in London at one point, but we yeah. moved the whole thing down here about uh, two and a half years ago, three years ago, in fact. Uh, so some of the people came from London to Bristol mm. and they'd been able to do things like buy houses and such like, which they weren't able to do before. Where so where are you, we've just parachuted into you know middle of your studio today. Where are you at in your career, and what are you <laughs> what are you focusing on? End game. <laughs> oh, what does the end game look like? Well, end game this is just a big um, climax. <laughs> I mean, I'm still shooting away, and I, I won't be able, to, be able to do that forever because I'm getting on a bit. Mm. Uh, but you know, preparing and thinking about my legacy. This is one reason why the foundation is here, mm. uh, but also to you know collect and to showcase other British photographers. And we have an exhibition space, as you can see. I'll take you to the storeroom later as well, where we have our collection of prints and books uh, and such like. I understand you've got an archive here of, did I read it correctly, of a million images? I have. I mean, I have all my pictures, which are many, but I also have printed out in um, 10 by 8 prints, must be three quarters of a million prints, Mm. which is sort of a working archive, if you like, actually an analogue archive as opposed to just digital. Yeah. Digital archive. I found out recently. I had a hard drive fail on me that I hadn't backed up two months worth of shooting. Wow! So I'm currently going through an absolute crisis. Crisis of weeping in the Apple Store saying, "Please fix it," and they can't. <laughs> Is it going to happen? Really? No, it's just I don't done. know. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to. I don't know what I'm going to do. Commit suicide? Yeah, that was an option. I've, I've thought about it. Yeah, a couple of times but, <laughs> for, for yeah. lesser problems as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> No, we have a, we have a backup uh, computer. You know, we have a very big computer, eighty three terabytes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, at what point did you think, Foundation? This is what I want to do. Uh, I suppose it came to me about five or six years ago when I actually started the foundation and got the charitable um, acknowledgement. 
And uh, then I wanted a building. I always knew that was part of the deal. And originally I thought about London, but of course the great thing about Bristol, it's much cheaper. So the um, foundation actually bought this building and uh, we actually rent out part of it to my business um, uh, interests. And uh, we we were able to then design it and build it exactly to our lights, all the shelves, the concrete floor we put in with underfloor heating, mm. all these things here. We're able to... Next door as well. The Royal Photographic Society, yeah. they moved in about a year after us. Yeah. Uh, but of course, we welcome them here. Uh, no, because it means we're a bit of a, a photography hotspot. Yeah, sure. And of course, we both benefit from uh, each other's audience, if you like. Mm. Yeah. Keeping on the, uh, the theme of death and dying, as we touched on everything twice already, when you, you talk about, you know, thinking about like your legacy now, legacy is like an interesting thing. I don't know, I guess, because, you know, once once we're not here anymore, we're not there to en enjoy the residual imprint we've left on the universe. So like, why think about it at all? In a way, you could argue that there's... Well, basically, I have a big estate and a complicated one, and I didn't want to lumber. We've only got one daughter, her, mm. with having to sort that out. So it's being sorted out almost to relieve her and to ensure that it continues. And the foundation here will, you know, on my demise, get quite a bit of cash from my estate, which will be enough to keep it going. That's the general principle. Yeah. But in terms of just thinking about, do you think about, you know, your reputation and how, you know? I don't think about these things much at all, really. I just get yeah. on with, I'm working out, what am I doing this week? Who am I seeing today? I've just got back from Venice uh, yesterday, so I've just edited those this morning. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm thinking about what I'm doing in the next few months, basically. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good way to live in general, isn't it? I, I think so, yeah. I, I think as a photographer myself, if you worry too much about what other people are thinking or saying about you or or copying or whatever, that it detracts from the whole experience of enjoying photography. Can't disagree with that enough. Yeah, and then you end up... In no, can't agree. Sorry, I got that wrong, didn't I? I can't agree with that <laughs> enough. Yeah, that yeah, enough. yeah, yeah, sorry. And, you must have thought, what and a you, funny answer. Like, Fair enough, Martin. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you, you've... At what point did you feel like you stuck your head above the parapet kind of thing? And, and it'd be interesting to hear for people who might not know yet or who've experienced it already, what, what a difference it can make from just the purity of starting photography and enjoying it when you're younger to when it becomes a, a more kind of serious thing and people are taking notice. But when did that begin for you? I guess, um, you know, my international reputation started to take off after I presented the uh, last resort in Arles in 86. So it's really that, that wave of colour photography that I started with that particular project which really sort of pushed me into being seen and and shown in places like France and Germany. Uh, I mean, before that, I had a, a career. It was ticking over quite nicely. I was working in black and white, as all photographers did in the 70s. Yeah. And, um, but the, it's the colour work, uh, and that became quite controversial as well, which didn't do me any harm. That really launched my career beyond the UK. How how were you putting food on the table to begin with in your career? What, was it, what did you start out in? Uh, I mainly started out doing teaching. So the first half of my career, I was teaching more or less for a living. I had a few other grants from the Arts Council and, and, and a few jobs for magazines, but it was predominantly teaching. And then as I joined Magnum, I got more commercial work, more editorial assignments, even uh, you know fashion, things like this. I was able to sort of drop the teaching. Now I only teach about six days a year. 
Are you interested in fashion in a in a fashion clothes sense? I'm interested in fashion as a business because fashion people are very photographic, and I'm interested in fashion as a form of commercial work because it's mm. very well paid. It's quite interesting. Mm. You get a fair bit of freedom, uh, especially with editorial fashion. So yeah, it's it's an interesting path to go down. Mm. I, always, I always think I'm interested in clothes, but not interested in fashion. If that makes sense, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm the opposite. Really? <laughs> yeah, to be uh, like I like I like clothes. I'm interested in interesting items, but the whole fashionness of it and the idea of trends just doesn't really appeal to me. But well, that's the thing. Photographic trends are a thing as well. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, we're in a very high contrasty. Uh, I don't know. Well, there's two sides of it: the whole street photography scene and then the documentary scene. You're very much you you identify as a documentary photographer. I guess, if anything, that's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. What pushed you down that road as opposed to... Well, do you see the fashion stuff as documentary as well? Or do you, do you see that as separate? Because you seem to approach these things aesthetically in a, in, a, in, a, in a trademark way. So it doesn't look like you're kind of like, oh, I've got my working hat on now, I'm going to shoot for them in this way. It seems like you do your thing and that's that. Well, I guess what's happened is that um, the fashion world has come towards, if you like, the authenticity that I deliver as a photographer. Uh, so I haven't particularly shifted. They've shifted more, uh, dropped the glamour and come more authentic. So with people like Gucci, a very successful company that I've done quite a bit of work for, uh, they've come to me rather than me go to them, if you understand what I mean. And thinking about, obviously, this strong, like, satirical sense in your, in your work, what, how do you feel about this, like, I don't know what you'd call this era that we're in at the moment. It seems sort of tailor-made for you in a, in a way. You know, the way that we all interact now and the way people behave on the street and how distracted we all are and on our phones and stuff i guess it's kind of a a rich period for photography in that sense yeah i mean all the the use of the smartphone i've just done a book about selfies in fact mm. so um yeah. that's uh, it's a huge part of who we are i mean it's amazing to think that 10 15 years ago smartphones didn't exist yeah and so look at the profound change that's had on the whole of society so my job as a documentary photographer is to keep up with these trends and embrace them you know, I mean, it's too easy if you're a photographer like me to be, you know, fixed into nostalgia. So yeah. I'm trying to, as I say, address the modern themes of what the world's delivering. Yeah. And it will become nostalgic in the same way over time, won't it? Well, yeah, we don't know how, you know, we don't know if selfies will exist in 10, 20 years' time. Well, I doubt, I don't, I doubt I, in 10 years that people will be walking around with these white cords from their ears and holding glass or plastic slabs. It probably will change, won't it? It will change, but we don't know what to quite yet. But it'll be interesting yeah, when it comes, if if I'm still alive, that is. Oh, yeah. I, I think about this, this a lot, like, more, more when I'm... Circling back to death again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it, definitely when it comes to writing and, and filmmaking, like, I think people are sometimes reluctant to write about this era and about smartphones, and they, they're kind of hesitant to put smartphones or apps in films because it seems, like, prosaic and a bit cringe. But actually, you've got to document and talk about the era you're in, and, you know, the same way, you know... Fitzgerald or whoever probably wasn't like, oh, I, I don't want to talk about telegrams. It's too, like, I guess you do have to, do, um, mm. even if it seems a little... I'm all for things looking dated as yeah. they're very ephemeral. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I, I don't shy away from that whatsoever. What's your personal relationship with all that stuff? Are you on your phone? <laughs> with a much? smartphone? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have one, like everyone does. But, uh, I mean, I don't go around taking selfies. Yeah. Just occasionally I've done a few. Uh, but, well, thank you. Uh, I'll bear that in mind. Yours will be amazing, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it won't be any different to anyone else's. Platform. No, I'm not into that either, to be honest. 
You're on you're on Instagram though. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Because I guess yeah, some some people who've had storied careers before, kind of some people really embraced it, and some people probably shied away from it a bit more. I don't know why you. I mean, I wasn't that. the first on it, but um, you know, with the start of the foundation uh, and trying to build up that side of things, we felt it was necessary. And uh, you know, I have a guy here who is in charge of my social media. He's very effective. So we've just cracked the half a million mark, which is where Alan is. Mm. And, um, you know, it's a very useful tool like you when you want to get a message out about what we're up to. Yeah, it's interesting because I think some photographers um, are kind of like shunning. They hate the world today and they're like, oh, this online stuff is terrible. You know, I missed the day of looking at a book and developing film and all this. Whereas it seems like uh, you've embraced both because, I mean, we're sitting here surrounded by I don't know how many books you probably know thousands probably. thousands of books uh, but also you've got someone work on instagram which is mm-hmm. i think is wise isn't it it's kind of like well, they're entirely app. compatible yeah yeah i think so. what's the issue there isn't one as you know amen that's, that's, <laughs> I, I, but some people do have it i think it's i think it's the people are frightened because they don't understand how to use it so then they blame it rather than their abilities to use it which is harder to look at in the face although not to be the old man shouting at the moon but to be surrounded by books is definitely nicer a bit more tangible than just being next to a feed (laughs) i saw a quote of yours i make serious photographs disguised as entertainment yep that's that's accurate yes the quote (laughs) the quote is correct that is the quote yes uh care to expand on that or or well i suppose um as a statement no, my first priority is to try and make a picture that's going to engage the audience. Therefore, it has to be, you know, I guess, well composed and attractive, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, because you're not going to get anywhere unless you get people interested in your work. And then any message there is there, and it's all pretty obscure, really, because there isn't particularly a message. It's just territories that you deal with that you want to bring into the open yeah. are there if people want to find them. But it's an option rather than shoving the politics down people's throats. Yeah, a lot of your shots seem sort of intentionally unattractive in a way. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it, but that's the as in the way that the way that <laughs> no, you no, do, I know, I know you what do, you mean. You know what I mean? Is I that you, you're you mean, not yeah. capturing people when they're looking poised up into the sunlight. You're catching them when they're like mid mouthful or you know in these. No, it's kind just of real yeah. as they are, as as you and I see them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It doesn't I mean, seem to me that yeah, people posing is a big problem for me, but getting round it is part of the fun. Yeah. Well, I, I enjoy your images for the, the mood and the feel rather than, you know, attractive in the kind of like Greco-Roman sense of, you know, being all like curves and sort of aesthetically pleasing. It's more about yeah. these little moments of, of life and, yeah. Yeah, well, the only hu- only human exhibition, mm-hmm. that, that's like a look on, on Britain, right? Or is it specifically? Uh, well, it had a lot of British um, yeah. images in and its main concern was Britain, I think, but it wasn't entirely so. Right, okay. Well, what is it that interests you about this country? Because in the context that a load of photographers I've spoken to, they're like, oh, I can't shoot where I'm from, so I can't see anything. I'd rather go to like the States or, or Asia and shoot. What is it that's made you... I mean, I know you've shot all over the place, but mm-hmm. you've clearly focused quite intently on, on, on where you're from. I mean, uh, it's the country I know best. It's where I'm from. I have a sort of love-hate relationship with the place. Uh, and I find that very tempting to explore through the photography. So it's almost like a form of therapy, you know, to sort of uh, determine what it is you like about it and what you don't like about it. And that ambiguity and contradiction is is the thing that drives me to take more pictures here. 
when you're taking your pictures do you are you doing them in a kind of conscious i want to build because i know you work in that you've done so many books and do you think okay i'm doing this thing i'm doing this thing i'm doing this thing and you work towards them or do you kind of shoot and then curate later and then go okay there is actually a theme running here um no sometimes they're specific you know so this weekend being in venice i was photographing the carnival you know, potentially for an exhibition in Venice that I, you know, that I might be doing. So that was themed insofar that I was there anyway. Uh, and but sometimes, you know, I can pull out pictures from my archive, which is quite substantial, and everything's keyworded through Magnum. And if someone wanted me to do a book on dogs next week, I could probably muster up something. For example, <laughs> when you're when you're shooting, you know, more just the slice of life stuff, not not when you're just out for like Venice Biennale or whatever. Do you kind of like, are you a kind of photographer that decides to put in a shift and will go out for eight hours and see what they find? Or do you more the, more the kind of, I have my camera on me and I just shoot when I see something? No, I, I tend to either be working properly or not at all. Right. So many days I just don't even bring a camera with me. Okay. Today I won't take any photos whatsoever. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this weekend, you know, I took 1,600, which isn't that a huge amount, but that's quite a lot for me, in fact, because I'm not one of these um, mega drive photographers. Mm. Well, there are times for shooting a lot and times for not shooting, aren't there? I, I've, I've been to Venice and... Uh, did I do an exhibition there? I did, <laughs> on this little island near off San Marco. Mm -hmm. There's a little boat away. And I did a workshop out there as well. And I remember being there trying to teach people and they were like, it was just like, hey, it's hectic. It was, mm -hmm. it was, I actually didn't like it in San Marco at all. Whereas I imagine... Oh, I love you, it, yeah. Because like Of course, I always <laughs> go to St. Marco because it's where everyone goes. Yeah, whereas and I it's went, completely I went mad. to... What's it called? Uh, like, is it called Judeca? The other side, which is quieter, mm -hmm. which I much prefer. Mm -hmm. And you can meet... Yeah, I was thinking this, actually. Someone said to me on that workshop, this is a kind of Martin Parr scene. Yeah. <laughs> and there were, like, loads of tourists eating, like, ice creams, and mm -hmm. it wasn't particularly warm, and there were, like, just flags everywhere. And, yeah, someone actually said that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good. It's a sign you've got a. That's the the stamp of approval that you've got a certain style, isn't it? When you people yeah. think they spot it. Are you? I, I imagine you're not someone that sweats the the technology aspect of it too much, and is like too overly concerned about always being up to date with the latest camera and using loads of different ones. Or do you more? No, no. I pretty much buy. Um, you know, I'm a Canon person, so I just buy the latest five D. I mean, I'm quite happy with it. I'm quite happy with the camera I've got, but you know, I will replace it as and when new ones are brought out. Mm. But I'm not a geek. Are you uh, interested in like kind of other disciplines? Like we, you know, we talked to a lot of filmmakers on this podcast mm -hmm. as well. Is is, is well, I am. A, I, I don't know if you know, I am a filmmaker. I don't know too much about that that side. Of I mean, films, I, I am. This is a brag here. I'm the most seen uh, filmmaker on British television because I have 50 films a day shown because I did the BBC One I Dance. Ah. So if you ever watch, are you too young to watch terrestrial television? No, no, I was there for that. But there's <laughs> obviously there's a there's all different kinds of idents, aren't there? So there's like the one. It's, it's they're, they're they're called oneness. It's, you get these scenes of people coming together. Oh yeah, okay. So there's twenty six different films. Yeah. And they're shown between every program on BBC One every day. It, it shows different people coming together. You know, cold water swimmers, kayakers. So I directed those. They came from still photos, if you like, and then we did the ident afterwards. We had a, you know, a whole team of people do them, of course. Mm. Wanted to ask you about um, the photographers that you've been working with here. 
Are there yep. any who you would suggest uh, for listeners? To- <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Ian Weldon. Uh, are you aware of Out of Focus, his podcast? We showed him last summer. No. Uh, he's a wedding. He's the guy that says, I'm not a wedding photographer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. No, he's a good photographer. He did a brilliant uh, project about, you know, basically wedding photographs, but really good. Showing them in a documentary sense, as opposed to the usual, you know, cliche-ridden yeah. wedding photography. Yeah, the kind of shots that they might not want to see necessarily as well. But he does a very good podcast. There aren't that many photography podcasts, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, we, part of the reason we, we started it. Well, once we wanted to speak to cinematographers because we felt like they've been, no one really speaks to them much, even though they're doing yeah. such amazing work. With photography, it's a weird relationship. I don't know, relationship with the press as well, where, you know, the press is so deeply into film and TV and music. Mm-hmm. Photography, less so, right? It's just, you kind of get the occasional arts piece in like the Sunday Times. Even then, they I guess they tend to gravitate more towards paintings and, and things, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It is... I guess you've you've done bits and pieces with different broadsheets over the over the years. Over the but... years, indeed, yes. But, but you're, ab- you're absolutely right there, insofar that um, you know films generally get reviewed more thoroughly than yeah. photography, which is fair enough, I guess. But also kind of odd because the photos can be reproduced there on the page. You can view the thing, whereas you can't mm-hmm. with the film. But um... so, do you talk to directors or um, cinematographers? At the moment, I think we're we're thinking about moving over to directors as well at some point. But at the moment, cinematographers, um, mm-hmm. just because it's everyone's obviously it's fascinating to talk to directors as well but they are you know they do go around and do the junkets for their films and speak right. to but these everyone. these big these big uh, director photographers must be pretty difficult to get hold of they're not they're not they're not they're, that's that's what we thought they're, yeah. they're, they're de- also they're delighted that someone actually wants to speak to them for once because no one ever does mm-hmm. i think because a lot of um in a lot of film journalism there's not re- there's a real interest in the movies but there's not really an interest in the craft and most film critics don't know wouldn't know the first thing to do on a film set wouldn't even know the terms involved so they don't tend to like speak to the technical side of Mm -hmm. uh of of crews really we were in we were doing a thing in japan and we came up with the idea for this podcast and and i think the conversation was you know how often do you see like i don't know a film director and the two movie stars on the red carpet like doing And then you get the the DOP just like also on the red carpet, but just like he walks in, just, just no, just walks yeah. no flashbulbs fire at all. Yeah. Thinking like that person might have more Oscars than, than <laughs> all of them combined. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, no, it's a good point. Who is? I mean, I don't even know who uh, the most famous DOPs are. In fact, Roger Deakins Roger is the most Deakins. famous. Yeah. Have you have you interviewed him? He's been too busy on nineteen seventeen. You know the which, oh, he did nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. apparently was you know. A, a headache but obviously great but um because you know they did this whole thing of making it look like one shot so which it wasn't which it wasn't no but even just stitching together you know half a dozen shots is still a lot causes a lot of problems so i think it was quite the longest the longest uh scene was nine minutes on un- yeah it's but a long time. yeah i mean the film that impressed me on that front was victoria Oh, that's that? amazing! That film. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that really was. was. Yeah, I, I think they had to shoot it twice, but it really was, I believe, actually one shot. Yeah, Am I, right? I, I recommend that to listeners. Um, it's it's set in Berlin, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, the whole thing was one one shot, and you think going into it, it's going to be gimmicky, and it works perfectly. And it's about this sort of bank heist gone wrong. But actually, over the, I think they filmed it just before dawn. And as the action happens, the sun actually starts rising. So by the end of the film, you've gone from night to day, all in the same shot. 
and it is it's amazing it really works yeah it's one of my favorite films for mm. that yeah and mm. and done so well it's ambitious what are your favorite films or films you've seen reasonably recently well i've seen all like? the classics like um we had bait you had the bait director here the other day doing a q and a i've not seen that You've not seen bait no it's about the story of tension between cornish fishermen and tourists Okay. And uh, it's shot on 16 mil Bolex. And uh, it's shot as a silent movie. And he's added the soundtrack later. It's the most distinctive film. I mean, there's nothing like it. Mm. Right. Well, no, we'll watch it. Checking that one out. Yeah. Nice. What else have you uh, enjoyed? Well, I've just seen Parasite, of course, like everyone. And did is, you love yeah, it very as enjoyable. much as everyone? Yeah, or? of course. It's a great movie. Yeah. What's not to like? I agree. I think it, for me, that's what I thought. It was a great movie. It's not the best movie ever, as everyone it seems to be kind of labelled at the moment but um, it was good well yeah thanks uh, thanks for joining us today Martin okay uh, I'll come and show you round now please Excellent. do yeah cool thanks for listening to Candela for news about future episodes, answers to any questions you may have, and photography and cinematography inspiration, head to our Instagram and Vera accounts.